happened because they didn't know they were in love. The heroine was feisty, a popular word of the time, 1943, though the people of London were exhausted, grimy, numb. Clean and feisty existed only in American movies. That's why they were adored, and why the museum cinema that night in Bethnal Green was full. People were standing along the walls and sitting cross-legged in the aisles. The hero of the film had just turned and lifted his hands. There had been some kind of movement. Did he cup her face, put his hands in her hair? Did you see? Several boys switched on torches, and when the voices began to subside, the cinema manager, walking up to the stage, said the usual bit. The alert had sounded, if you wish to leave, please do so quietly. Someone in front shouted, Never mind, put the film back on. The manager sighed. Four films had shown through the previous night after a large portion of the audience refused to leave. He stared a moment, remembering the fish-and-chip mess he'd faced in the cinema that morning and the puffy, sleepless face of his youngest projectionist. Tonight, he wanted the crowd to go. "'If you wish to leave, please do so quietly,' he said again. The audience stayed. The torchlight settled. There wasn't much incentive to go. The cinemas were fairly good shelters, and the dark wasn't a problem. They'd all been living under the rules of blackout for years. Their homes, behind boarded windows, could be oppressive, but the darkness of the streets, or shelters, or cinemas, especially on the night of a raid, was a world they understood. When the ice-cream vendor opened the back door, however, which let in the siren's wail, people began to move. It had been a beautiful afternoon, though later no one would remember that. A football match in the museum gardens had drawn a large crowd, and when the young borough engineer won the game with an impossible header, people heard the cheer in Stepney. Afterward, a group gathered outside the pub on Russia Lane, affectionately known as the Plots and Pints because of the neighbouring cemetery. The air felt thinner, cleaner, partly because it was... A six-week break in the raids had given the dust and smoke of broken, smouldering buildings time to clear, and partly because the sun was making a rare appearance, polishing the winter-weary houses and trees. Ada covered her ears before the siren could reach its peak. All afternoon in her grocery, the women had talked about Monday's bombing of Berlin. The heaviest air raid so far, they said. So many bombs, German farmers saw the fires a hundred miles away. Tonight seemed to them a likely time for the enemy's response, but Ada prayed they were wrong. She lowered her hands, aware that her girls were watching her. Tilly, eight, had dark half-moons beneath her eyes. Emma, nearly four, had lost weight. Neither girl looked well, even though half an hour before blackout she'd taken them out to breathe the fresh tar fumes on the new portion of Jersey Street. All the mothers were talking of the reprisal of what the new high explosives could do. Before dinner, Ada put two jumpers in her bag and the extra blanket by the front door. The new bombs, the women said, would leave less time to get to the shelter. Tilly spoke first. "'We better go!' Ada hurried them from the table and helped them into their winter coats. She pulled Tilly's collar close to her neck, and Tilly winced. I just want you to stay warm, Ada said. I know. I'll try to get us something at the canteen, Ada offered, and the girls glanced at each other. 
That meant she had money, and if she had money, they might be able to get a bunk. They weren't registered for one, but sometimes that didn't matter, depending on the wardens. It was much better to have a bunk in the tunnel than a mat on the platform or tracks. Can we bring something to eat and get a bunk instead? Tilly asked. You've just finished dinner. Ada knew it hadn't been much. She'd served broth and fried potatoes, nothing else, for the third night in a row. She planned to surprise them, though, when they got to the shelter. She had two pieces of chocolate in her pocket. Now go! We'll play checkers, Tilly whispered to Emma as they went out. She rubbed her sister's hand. Can I be red? Of course, Tilly squeezed her. And if we get a bunk, you can have the pillow. Emma was impressed. Her sister had let her have the red checkers last time, too, and so she solemnly promised to let Tilly have the pillow. As Ada locked the door, the girls waited behind her. Then the three joined the stream of.